This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code OPOPIE at checkout. Just pay the $5 shipping. Good morning, everybody. Wow, it is uh, very, very peaceful here at the ocean this morning. The ocean is very, very calm. Uh, the waves sound awesome. You got the sun rising to my left. Unfortunately, that sunrise is going bye-bye. Uh, the people that have been with me for months, they know that that sun was coming up uh, pretty much in the middle of this video, and it's slowly but surely moving out of sight with that, we say good morning to Vincent Scaramuzzo and Stephen Tui and Rachel from Minnesota and Facebook user and Vivek Sharma and Debbie. Hey, Debbie, all the way up there in Boston. Uh, who else we got? Uh, Milt Miranda. Anyone else notice anything different today? Don't worry, the dog is here. He's uh, to my right just um, he's eating my hammock that he uh, ripped through the thick nylon cords yesterday and now he's decided to try to devour the whole hammock. Uh, so he's there. He's he's always with me. It's part of his morning routine to follow me up here to do the live stream. <laughs> Daniel Connolly, you're not eating crackers. <laughs> well, that was the audio problem. I mean, if I'm going to take on Joe Rogan, I got I to gotta figure some stuff out. So, yes, I'm not eating crackers anymore. You're right. Uh, Jason Loeb's got it. Stability. I have an iPad stand. Breaking news. I am hands-free. I don't know what to do with my hands right now. Yes, it's an iPad stand. I finally decided, you know what? Maybe I should pump up my shit. I got a microphone. Um, that came with the iPad stand because I picked out a mic. Uh, thanks to Mason, who's helping me out a little bit, a little bit. And... Uh, Ah, the, the microphone's still in the box. So maybe Monday I'll, I'll have another announcement. Or you will know because the audio will actually sound professional or, or way closer to professional than this. Dude, the Joe Rogan stuff is killing me, Adam Hanley. What, why is that killing you, Adam? I actually, uh, I, ah, whatever. If I, I mentioned Joe Rogan a few times and boy, boy, did that trigger some people. I mean, if, if Joe Rogan admits that me and Anthony were an inspiration for what he does today, then why wouldn't I think that I could actually have a better podcast than Joe Rogan? There was a time I was coming up in radio and I said, I'm going to be better than Howard Stern. And uh, I think I think there was probably a year, maybe two years in there then that we were absolutely bigger than Howard Stern. Uh, we couldn't hold on to it. And I believe we were bigger. Um, if we weren't, we certainly were nipping at his heels. So why wouldn't I think I could do it again? Why? Why? High-tech shit, Neil Hayton says. Thank you. I think your star money uh, officially bought the iPad stand and the, and the microphone that I will eventually plug in. And I got a desk. I can't show you the desk because I don't, I don't want to touch anything right now because everything's working pretty pretty well. 
So uh, I'd rather just keep it as is. I listen to you more than Rogan, honestly, Neil Hayden. Of course, I'm in, I, I, thank you. I appreciate that. I think, uh, well, whatever. Whatever. But uh, <laughs> whatever. I don't feel like dealing with the, the stupid haters right now. Got to take a break from those lunatics. That afternoon show is better than Howard. I think so. But, uh, you know, uh, Howard's still doing it and still making stupid money. And I get excited if you throw me uh, $10 on uh, the live stream. So, you know. So who who uh, who won in the end there? Uh, Michael Soul, not a Rogan fan, but what makes his show is the guests. If you get the kind of folks or at least people as popular as his guests are, there is no doubt you would take him over. Oh, my God goodness thank you sir no i'll give uh, rogan his, his props he he saw a niche well it's a giant niche to be honest with you i mean i'm not sitting here saying that rogan has a, a a bad podcast of course not i haven't listened to it in a few years i just couldn't i couldn't invest uh the time to be a an actual rogan fan because there's way too many podcasts and they're really long and uh, uh i don't know I, I think there's a lot of people when you have a bunch of podcasts you want to listen to, if you see one that's like three hours long, you, you start panicking. You're like, I got, I have to somehow digest three hours of content right now. And then you'll see other podcasts from people. I don't know whether it's Bill Burr or uh, or uh, Bobby Lee or Krista Stefano, and they're shorter episodes. And then you'll, I'll start gravitating toward the shorter episodes because I feel like I could digest them. I, I personally started making my um, episodes uh, uh, shorter. I'm trying to keep them under an hour. Uh, the latest one is pushing an hour, but I had I had a lot to say. A lot of old uh, ONA stuff uh, was was discussed on the latest episode. So doubt you could smoke that much weed either. Jeffrey guy says, "Oh God, no." I mean, I, I credit Joe Rogan though for getting me back into the pot. This is what's so fucked up about ah whatever. Now you're gonna get me going. This is what's so fucked up about the entertainment business. So I'm still on a massive radio show, massive with a huge influence. I fly out to LA to uh, do a TV show, and uh, and I Instagram. I think it was an Instagram post where I, I I posted a picture that I landed in LA. My phone that picture wasn't even up for a minute. And Rogan is texting me like, you have to do my podcast. And then fast forward a bunch of years, I, I, nothing really changed in our relationship, I don't think. And, uh, you know, I'm starting out the podcast and uh, he's in New York City. So I, I, I do the same thing. I find out he's in New York City. So I text him to, you know, to do my podcast. And I certainly could have used the help back then, especially. And uh, I didn't even get a response. That's just how this shit works. It drives me insane. But whatever. What are you going to do? Uh, quickly. Uh, oh, Judd Jones is uh, joining. Awesome. Judd, uh, let me get Judd on in a second. But I, I want to say that um, I just got the link to the Patrice O'Neill documentary that's going to be on Comedy Central. I think. Uh, help me out. February 19th, I think. And uh, I saw the first five minutes and the thing is unbelievable. I mean, look, I only clicked on five minutes because I had stuff going on in my house. But tonight I'm gonna to sit down and watch the whole thing. I got a I got an advanced link, and uh, so far what I saw between the trailer and the first, maybe it was more than five minutes, like five to seven minutes. I think people are gonna absolutely love this documentary. 
And I think I'm going to get the uh, the filmmaker, uh, Mike, I forget how to say his last name, uh, on the live stream, hopefully early next week to promote the thing. But uh, and a lot of people are asking, are you part of it? I I sat down for, uh, wait a minute, this dog, here, have a treat. Very casual here, Instagram, so relax for a second. Everybody knows every once in a while I got to give the dog a treat. Here, go. Go over there, though. Um, but a lot of people asked, are you part of the Patrice O'Neill documentary? I, I sat down for over an hour. Um, but, man, after watching the first seven minutes, they are squeezing a lot of people, a lot of comics especially, into this. Oh, my God. It came back already. Dude, I, I got to do this now. I got to do this now. Go. That's it. Go, go, go. Um, so even though I talked to them for an hour, I think uh, I'd be surprised if I'm in this thing for two minutes. I hope I'm, I'm in it just to represent. I know I did some pretty good things, and I know they got me to cry on film. They tugged at my stupid heartstrings. And I also um, they also asked for a couple of my videos uh, for the documentary. So... Um, I'll let you know Monday if I'm in the thing, cause I'll I'll, I'll know uh, I'll know tonight. Hey, Judd. All right, boy. How are you? Well, what the fuck, dude? I I I uh, I added you to the live stream, and you you knocked out my uh, my sunrise. So you you better have some good material, cause now you're competing uh, with a, a a wonderful sunrise here at the ocean. Oh, good material. How about fuck Bruce Springsteen? What do you think about that? <laughs> Why are you saying that? No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I Pat don't. Duffy, I didn't even think about this, but Pat Duffy uh, came up with uh, a good observation that this thing came out after the Super Bowl commercial. Like, like they they had this information and they were carefully uh, trying to figure out when they could actually put it out there because he has great publicists, obviously, because because it happened in November. Well, first of all, I find it kind of ironic that, you know, Mr. Unity Jeep commercial, listen to what Bruce says a lot of times, he's not very unifying. I'm kind of joking. I will say that, I mean, I saw Springsteen twice in Houston. And yeah, yeah like one of the, the best concerts ever. A lot of bang for your buck. He played forever. I mean, this was, I mean, still when Clarence Clemens was there. And so, I mean, it was fantastic. But yeah, Bruce is not necessarily the most unifying person nowadays. I mean, he can say that all he wants in a commercial. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, getting busted for DWI, yeah, it's suspicious. Uh, it comes out afterwards, but it's the world we live in, dude. You know, at least, at least he's not in The Mandalorian, right? No. Oh, with that Gina, uh, what's her name? She was on the radio show once. and uh, Carano, yeah. Carano. She was, uh, I remember her being very, very cool on the radio. I remember her uh, being uh, hot as all hell. Jesus. Yeah, I mean. Uh, but man, she didn't let any of those views known when she did our radio show a few years back. Probably at this point, like six or seven years back. But right. She, she's a fan of the Nazis, huh? Is that what they're getting? <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, you know, I read I read that thing <clears throat> that she reposted, and and the the premise of it was it was it was the it's like a famous picture of a woman and. Uh, in Germany, uh, Nazi Germany, a Jewish woman who's kind of stripped down and looks beaten up and she's being chased by, you know, kids and regular people. And yeah. the, the whole premise of that thing was that, you know, it didn't start off that the Nazis were uh, rounding everybody up. They were uh, getting their neighbors to turn on them and expose who they are. And then the Nazis would come. And she compared that to the political 
right. this discord now. Uh, I mean, the way it was framed, you know, in, in the media is a little rough, but you know you're going to get in trouble for posting shit like that. Like, I mean, yeah. you can't. If she was Jewish, I mean, she'd be fine. But I'm, right. I guess, I'm guessing she's not Jewish, Carano. I guess she's an Italian broad. But, I mean, yeah, you're going to you know, get taken to the carpet every time you start putting shit out there like that. But, I, you know, I, I, I don't know, man. I'm just thinking to myself, like, you know, look, I'm not a very political person. I could give a shit less. I, I got other things to focus on. But, I mean, if you're on a show <laughs> and you're like a known person now, I mean... Is, do you really need, feel the need to get your political speech out there, especially in this climate? You're bringing up a lot of great points. I, I, I want to say about Gina, uh, I think it's uh, despicable what, what she had to say. It's absurd. Yeah. I think if you're a human being, you realize it's kind of despicable and uh, a little too far to make her point that she's being, uh, what, censored, I guess, or whatever the fuck. Mm. But, and this is the big but, I don't, I don't like people getting canceled for shit. Oh. Well, I don't sit, like sit, sit they, back, buddy. Huh? <laughs> sit what? back and enjoy because it's it's a oh, lot of that happening. I mean, it's here yeah. to stay, but then what happens is you're canceling all these people, and then the only people that are going to have a true voice are the 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 more powerful ones. You know what I mean? Well, if you got yeah. a lot of uh, if you got a lot of heat, oh man, I want to say something. I got to be very careful. Well, there's a big podcaster who has a lot of heat that has said some crazy ass things on his podcast. But he ain't going to get canceled because he's got a lot of power and makes a lot of money for uh, for a company. Mm. But then if you're someone like Gina, you're, you, you know, they could throw you to the wolves because you yeah. don't have as much power. So if the cancel culture continues, I think what you're going to see is only the most powerful people will have an actual voice in America. That's why I'm bothered by this no matter what. Although, once again, what she said, I think is despicable. Yeah, completely. I, I, I mean, I even go that as, as, as far as, you know, the, the canceling of Trump and like a lot of his followers. But don't we want to know what they're up to? Like, why are we can't why are we canceling them? Like you put them put them off in the woods somewhere, then they're still trying to spew their bullshit or get crazy or, you know, take up fucking arms or something. Don't you? I kind of want to know what they're doing. Like, I yeah, don't, of I don't, course. I don't think we need to just close them off altogether. You know, of course, 100 percent. And the funny thing, going back to the Bruce Springsteen thing, is that uh, what I learned from that Super Bowl commercial. I guess if we all just buy Jeeps, uh, yeah. this country will the country will finally come together, right? Well, I guess it's less of a chance to get busted for a DWI than a motorcycle. I don't know. <laughs> and I used to, and I used to <laughs> drive a Jeep, so I was right there. Yeah, me too. I was ready to unify with the rest of my fellow Americans, and then I decided to move on to another make and model. So maybe I have to go back to the Jeep. And then, uh, and then we could all get along. Oh yeah, Jeep. Jeep is going to cure everything. That's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to get everything worked out. Yeah. Who no, cares? I'm so bored with what celebrities say. Yeah, I don't give a fuck what celebrities say. I don't really care. I just get mad when, when one of these people get canceled, and then uh, they have to take away all their content. Yeah. And it goes all the way back to uh, I don't know wh where it began. At this point, maybe someone could help me on the in the comments in the chat room. But uh, Pee Wee Herman's a great example. I love that stupid Pee Wee's Playhouse. Sure. And then you know he goes into a, a a porn theater to to whack off. He's not hurting but anybody in a porn theater. I think that's what you're supposed to do in a porn theater, right? 
Never been to one. I don't know. <laughs> I'm guessing so. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of patrons who do who go that route. Well, I got a lame porn theater story, but uh, <laughs> but so he goes into a porn theater. He's not hurting anybody. He's a human being. He decides he's going to rub one out, gets caught, and uh, you know then then he he gets destroyed in the media, and then everyone's like, well, now you can never watch Pee Wee's Playhouse anymore. I hate that. Right, right. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, why can't you separate the two? I think Bill Cosby's a a, a dirtbag, a creep, sure, uh, despicable. Yeah, but and it's so funny. I was never a fan of uh, the Bill Cosby show, but I, I think that show did a lot of good for for uh, a lot of people, including um, black culture. And because all this stuff comes out about Bill Cosby. You got you got to throw him in front of the wolves, and then you got to take away everything he ever did on TV and film. It's like we got to be able to separate the two. Right. I, well, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, if I was a fan of the Bill Cosby Show, I'd be really, really pissed off because I would be like, "What's the difference between the two things, really?" Well, what, what do you mean between Pee Wee Herman and Bill Cosby? No, Bill Cosby, oh. what he did <laughs> in his private life. And, and and the the great TV show he he uh, was uh, that he produced. Why can't you still watch uh, the Bill Cosby Show? No one no one is able to explain that. Yeah, that that is kind of a weird thing, and especially you know, especially on the comedy side. Like, I mean, you know, Bill Cosby was was like a he was the storytelling comedian. I mean, right. it, like, arguably nobody could do it better. I actually saw Cosby when I lived in Austin, and. Um, he played, uh, it was like a theater that was on the University of Texas campus. This is, this is probably just like, I don't know, like 10, 12 years ago. And uh, dude sat there and did three hours of jokes and, and, and storytelling. And it was in the afternoon, too. It wasn't even a nighttime thing. And every bit of it was fantastic. Of course. Fantastic. I mean, I'm sitting there. I hadn't even you know, gotten into comedy yet. Right. I, rem I remember timing some of his bits just out of curiosity. And he had one story, I don't know, it was some story about how he used to be able to do a jump up from his back to his to his feet when he was a kid. And he had a whole story about trying to do that as when he got older. Yeah. And, and, that, and it was funny all the way through. I think it was like 25 minutes. Right. Just that story. So like, arguably, he's the best storytelling comedian ever. Yeah. But but don't don't talk about that now. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you can't talk about that now because uh, yeah, he uh, liked to drug women. So, uh, well, Rachel says it. Call me crazy, but drugging and raping over over the years is different than jerking off in a theater. A hundred percent. Oh yeah, that, I gotta, that's. What, I got to make my point clear here. That that's what I thought I think, you were going to. <laughs> no, I think Bill Cosby <laughs> should spend the rest of his life in jail, but yeah. I also think. That that you you can't cancel uh, all his material. Let yeah, that be up to me if I want to still watch uh, his TV show or watch one of those terrible movies he made, yeah. or listen to an old comedy uh, album of his. But right. but as soon as you do wrong in society, then everything you ever did that they, they try to erase history. That's that's my whole point, and I I find that really really strange. And going back to Bill Cosby, when I was um, growing up in my uh, my parents house and i was discovering comedy bill cosby was uh one of the guys early on that i really liked listening to and i i did pick up a lot of his well they were albums back then 
And his storytelling, like you mentioned, was uh, second to none back then. Mm-hmm. I remember a bit he did on just skiing. That was like, I think like 30 or 40 minutes long, just breaking down, going skiing. And not only was it great storytelling, it was just absolutely hilarious for the time. I don't know if it holds up anymore. Right. And, uh, and then, I, then I discovered uh, Cheech and Chong and uh, George Carlin, and then I kind of tapped out of the Bill Cosby. But very, very <laughs> early on, I, I thought he was fucking brilliant. Oh, yeah. No, there, there was, again, arguably one of the best storytellers out there. People are saying, uh, I keep uh, touching my, my, new, uh, my new broadcast facility. It's a, it's a wobbly desk, but I did get the iPad stand, but my foot keeps hitting the wobbly desk, and that's why the... The camera's moving a little bit, but we're getting there, Judd. Nice, nice. I have Uh, confidence. But anyway, someone just mentioned Eddie uh, Eddie Murphy and how he was untouchable. Uh, Compared to to Cosby, uh, Eddie Murphy didn't do anything. I mean, it's funny, though. Some of his uh, old material doesn't really hold up. (laughs) No, yeah. In this new day and age, man, it's almost uncomfortable to hear some of his bits, to be completely honest with you, because we know how far we've come. Uh, Sure. I don't know if it's all been for for the best, to be honest with you. But uh, he, he, you know, he had a bit called uh, the F word. I'm scared to even say it here today. Oh right, right. And it was a famous, famous bit when we were growing up, and really for the time, really, really funny. But now people look at that, just see the title on his album and their uh, of that track, and they're like, "Oh my God!" There was a time this was acceptable, and I'm like, "Yeah, it was." Yeah, well, <laughs> because it was funny. <clears throat> But he didn't. Uh, the only thing he did, I guess, was he got caught with a, a tranny, right? Is that what I, it was? I think so. See, I don't even remember that. I think I think so. I think that's that was the only thing with Eddie Murphy. That's a lot different than what uh, Bill Cosby did. Well, I actually, I think that kind of thing is encouraged nowadays. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta embrace. You gotta. Oh, you, gotta you were with the tranny? Right? Come on up. All right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I can't think of a better way uh, than to embrace people that are different than uh, than us, uh, Judd. There, there you go. Sure, <laughs> right. Come on I, down. I never got the um, I never got the attraction. I never got. There's a bunch of comedians that are into the, you know, into the tranny thing, and I never. I I don't know if you're you're not even allowed to say tranny. So now I gotta like acknowledge that I forgot. For real. I'm not trying to be a dick, but now that word, I remember Mark Norman told me, like, whoa, hey! And I'm like, what happened? And then I learned I learned that day, now that word's really, really bad. So I apologize, because uh, I'm just trying to discuss this, and uh, I remember when that word was acceptable, but now that word's not acceptable. It gets very, very confusing. What do, you have to, what do you have to say, a transgender person? I think so. That's what you have to say, transgender person. I think so, but a lot of uh, a lot of comics, uh, they were kind of into that. I never really understood the appeal. Yeah, I, I missed that part in the comedy training. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. Uh, no, that never happened. That never came up that I'm aware of. Right. I mean, as a comedian, I almost wish it did. What a what a great story, huh? Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Right? Yeah. Living in this uh, day and age, whatever floats your boat as long as it's legal and you're not hurting anybody else. All right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. Blue Chew, a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form 
and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process really simple. All you have to do is sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days, the best part, it's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problems here. Blue Chew's Psilodenafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable, and the tablets are made in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, you got to visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. All right, here's the deal. We got a special deal for you. Try BlueChew free when you use the promo code Opie, O-P-I-E, at checkout. Just pay the $5 shipping. Once again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code Opie, to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. You only got a mention only because of the name of the radio show, but that article that that guy wrote about alt-right comedy. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was absurd. I, I, mean, I didn't read the article, but, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's where it likes to kind of live these days. Well, I suggest, I suggest you read it because it's pretty absurd. And again, yeah. you know, they only mention you know, your name as part of the show. I mean, right. they, uh, they, they really focus on your former partner. Right. But, I well, mean, good, because I had nothing to do with any of that stuff. Well, right, right. I mean, you know, shit, I mean, dude. I, I mean, you could have had a... my biggest uh, complaints about the Opie and Anthony show, the, the show we started and was uh, successful doing. Uh, it was successful almost to the end, but not as successful. And, uh, you know, that show started making a dramatic turn. And uh, I wasn't all in with that shit. I, I, I wasn't all in. Uh, I wasn't all in making our show so political. Uh, you know, uh, we used to just kind of kind of touch on that stuff. And then it, that that's what the show became at, at the end. Anthony took complete control of the show. And it was uh, a lot of right wing uh, talking points. And uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't a fan of doing that type of radio, to be honest with you. So, sure. uh, you know, look. But that's what happens when you partner up with somebody. You're both going to change. And just like a relationship in life, whether you're married or have a, a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you, you hope you change together in a way where you, you could stay, stay together. But sure. in our case, we were changing and um, Ant went that way and I really didn't want to go for the ride. Well, I mean, what, I, I what mean I he's good at it. Obviously, he's good at it. He's had success with it, but it's not anything I really wanted to do. Right. I, after reading that article, I thought it was just comical more than anything because yeah. because right. it's more of a blanket statement. Like, yes, you can find comedians even yeah. in New York who yeah. might be considered more alt right, but the list of comedians that this dude included was the most laughable thing ever. Oh, okay. I, I mean, you know, they're talking about people like Tim Dillon, you know, the you know the the fat gay guy who's hilarious, not alt right. Like, right. I mean, not even close, but you right. know, but that was the kind of what I got from it. I oh, like, okay, I gotcha. But uh, this dude, this dude is is apparently known. The guy who wrote this is known as just 
I mean, he's trying to be a provocateur or something because sure. he's been he's been going after comedians in New York for a while. Okay. And again, having done comedy in a lot of rooms in New York, you can't be an alt right comic in New York City. Right. I mean, it's just not it's just not a thing. You're so. not going to have success with that in general unless no. you're in, incredibly funny doing it. I, I, to be honest with you, to wrap that up, I yeah, I'll, I'll probably check out the article now that you mentioned it. But I um, I try to avoid all uh, all things Anthony. <laughs> so sure, I, really, sure. I really try. I mean, I want to, you know, I, I want to try to remember the old days fondly. I have a tough time doing that. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I try to avoid all that stuff. So did you see that, uh, the comedian Ted Alexandro said that Saturday night live stole his joke for their sketch? Oh, a hundred percent. And I, I completely believe him. Oh, it's never mind. Believe him. Look at his his bit and look right. at the sketch. Right. I mean, it is so blatantly obvious. And see, here's here's hey, the thing. Let me, what, let me set it up. So SNL did ahead. that Zillow bit, which was hilarious, and it went viral. And I still think Saturday Night Live is funny. You know, it's very easy to say, uh, you know, SNL's not funny anymore because because they lean more to the left than the right, and that, that pisses off people. And that's the only reason a lot of people say SNL's not funny anymore. It's not funny, regardless of what they're talking about politics. I mean, I find it hard to find a laugh in a lot of that. Stuff. Oh, really? That's oh, yeah. Enough. But the Zillow bit was beyond funny, and I certainly uh, have done just that. We go on the Zillow, and we check out these amazing houses and dream about living there and all that. And, and SNL just crushed it with this bit. And then it turns out that Ted Alexandro... Uh, it's his bit, like almost word for word, you're saying? Yeah, that's why the sketch was funny. Right. Because a comedian wrote it. Yeah. That's that's why. Oh, yeah. It's now he's so asking for a million dollars, I hear. Well, right. But I mean, that's kind of that's kind of the point. Like, you right. know, hey, if you're just going to take my material, you got to pay, you know, at least some recognition. I mean, yeah, you know. Yeah, of course. Well, something. We, well, we live in a world as far as content uh, goes where – I don't know how it started, but it's completely acceptable to completely rip off others and throw it out there as their own. And it's really, really frustrating. Well, really it's, fr it's it's happened to me on very much smaller levels, but I've had I've had success with some viral videos over the years. Matter of fact, one of them I just sold to uh, I think it's called Deliciousness on MTV. Uh, okay. One of my videos is going to be on there. Me and um, me and Kelly Lynn, who's a very funny comic, we used to go around New York and just fuck with people, and people were very confused at whether the videos were real or not. And mm. we set them up ahead of time, and we wrote these things out, and we had some very, very good success with it. And one of them is her eating a bacon, um, bacon Sunday from uh, Burger King, I think, and it went crazy viral back in the day. That, and she also did the McFallen video, oh, wow. um, which went even more viral than the bacon Sunday one. And anyway, long story short, so. That thing went on my YouTube, did millions of views, and stupid Perez Hilton, some one of my you know hardcore fans, he, he gets a hold of me. He goes, hey, Perez Hilton grabbed your video, put it on his Facebook page, got millions of views on this fucking thing, but he, he knew where he got it from, no mention to me, and certainly I could have used the help, right? right? And the thing did stupid numbers, and I'm sure he monetized it and, and actually made a lot of money off my dumb video, so I... So what I what what did I do? I wrote them. No, it's not ridiculousness. I knew people would say that. There's a new spinoff show called Deliciousness. Actually, I had a video on uh, the same video was on ridiculousness, by the way. But thank you, Scott Arsenal. Um, anyway, I, I I reach out to the guy. I go, Yo, what the fuck? And I probably was a little mean, but I was also getting my point across. Like this isn't right that you're just taking my video and throwing it right. out there on your Facebook page as yours. 
I created what? this. No, yeah. he did. He fucking blocked me. That's how he dealt with it. God. That's what, that's how he dealt with it. But my point is, Jeez. this is happening all over the place where people think it's completely acceptable to just take people's shit and redo it, whether it's on SNL or uh, or dumb shock jocks video or 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 what have you. And I don't know where it started, and it's just not right. Because there's well, Ted Alexandro. I'm sure he could use the exposure and the money. And one of his uh, one of his bits is being shown to millions of people on network TV, and he right. gets nothing out of it. Right. You know, you, you hear, you know, accusations about joke theft a lot of times. But like the thing with with Ted is that, you know, if, if he was a, a, a comedian based out of St. Louis. Right. And, and he had this joke about Zillow and SNL did the sketch, you know, depending on, you know, the con what exactly the content was. If he were to say they stole my bit, people would be like, oh, really, the, the SNL people? Uh, know who you are in St. Louis and they stole your bit. But the thing with Ted, he is a regular at the comedy cellar. Right. And you know who else is a regular at the comedy cellar? Writers from SNL. Aye. They perform every night there. Yeah. So it is all arrows point to this. I mean, right. you can't even, you no, know, no. there's no argument to it yeah, whatsoever. No, it's not, it's not up, uh, up to de debate at all. Uh, those guys have no shame because I bet you – if you work on SNL as a writer, I'm sure the pressure's on you to come up with fucking bits or you're gone. So in their head, they're like, fuck it. I'm just going to take this brilliant bit and present it at the table at SNL. Right. And wrong. I, and I'm, I'm willing to bet, you know, and I, because I've hung out at the Comedy Cellar a decent amount. I mean, I was never passed there because, you know, shit, you got to, that's a whole different level of comedian who gets passed at the Comedy Cellar. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I was on some produced shows there and I would hang out there sometimes with our buddy Vic Henley. And I actually saw Ted do that bit, you know, one night at the cellar. I'm willing to bet because of the people who work on SNL, some, you know, people who are stand up comics, others are, you know, well, I guess they all try to be stand up comedians. But the ones who are specifically writer, writers, I'm willing to bet there's plenty of people who know exactly who the writer was who took it. Oh, well, then they should call him out, man. But see, then that then that becomes a whole... Well, talk to our friend Tammy Pescatelli about doing that. Of course. I'm going to have her on, um, I think, uh, really soon. I think Monday or Tuesday. Maybe you come back and uh, do another set with me and Oh, Tammy. nice. I love because Tammy. She's, she's got, fantastic. She got, Amy Schumer stole her shit and just kind of like, sort of similar, like Perez Hilton just saying, fuck you and blocking me instead of dealing with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she does the right thing and basically uh, jumps on the Amy Schumer steals comics jokes bandwagon. And because Amy Schumer is more powerful and has a uh, huge publicist, it ruined Tammy's career for a while. Yeah. Just for her speaking honestly about like, yo, hey, I'm not I'm not shopping around on the Upper West Side for a fucking mansion. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to make Grind it out here in Pittsburgh with my son. I'm the provider in this household and I yeah. certainly could use the help. So she does the right thing and she tells the world like, yeah, man, I've been ripped off by her as well. And what ends up happening to her, she gets fucked for bringing it up. Yeah. Well, and you know, who, who else was uh, Schumer accused of stealing jokes from? Patrice O'Neill. Right. You know, so, I mean, it wasn't just Tammy. I mean, it was, yeah. there, there was accusations of, you know, multiple accusations. Oh, no, of there's that. a lot. Hey, uh, I got another person that wants to join the live stream and I've been wanting to get you guys uh, together. All right. Uh, it's uh, Billy Tatori. He uh, produced Brother Weezy's show for a long, long time up there in Rochester. He's the guy that really knows about the last waltz as well. 
You know, this yeah. is casual and easy. So uh, let's say hi to Billy DeTore. Add him to uh, the live stream as my dog is barking. What's up, Billy? Hey, OPA Judd. Billy, how are you today? Good. I like you a lot on Opie's uh, Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate I it. I, I enjoyed y'all's uh, episode, too. I listened to it, started talking a little bit about the last waltz, man. Yeah, that's right up my alley. I love that stuff. Uh, I, I've got a couple documentaries, Ope, I wanted you to check out, and I forgot. I, I panicked the other day when you asked me. Yeah. Uh, I well, know you. Oh, I'm sorry, you, Ope. Well, you came up with... Um, March of the Penguins, though, so. Man, <laughs> ah, screw me. My self, I, I was so pissed afterwards. My self-esteem, my self-esteem is so low, I should be a stand-up comedian. <laughs> hey, you combed your hair at least this morning. Yeah, I did. I, I, I remembered it was video now, so. Right. I'm all set. Uh, actually, a couple things. I, I sent you that link. Did you want to talk about that? Oh, sure. I'll, I'll talk the, about anything, man. When I was on Weezer's show, one of my favorite segments was a time where I don't, you were feuding with, with Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. And I, I was wondering, have you ever talked to Dice since? Because on Weezer's show, Weezer was supposed to interview Andrew Dice Clay, and yeah. you guys were feuding. Uh, so we got you guys on the phone, you and Anthony on the phone. Right. And had you waiting while Weezer talked to Dice. Yeah. And once uh, we got Dice on, we stuck up for you, asked how come you no know, Dice wouldn't talk to you anymore, and then put you on. Right. Have you talked to Dice since? Oh, man, there's a, there's a lot there. So uh, I listened to the clip this morning, and I'll, I'll be mm -hmm. honest with you, a lot of the old O&A stuff I kind of forgot about. And then I, I listened to that clip you sent me, and I went, oh, my God. Then I completely remembered, obviously. But – the, the short story with Dice, just to bring everyone up to speed. Um, so we're doing this massive radio show in New York, Opie and Anthony on WNEW, and then we got syndicated after that. And um, Anthony did a very good impression of Andrew Dice Clay. And somebody was just driving in Jersey one day listening to the Opie and Anthony show, and that would be Club Soda Kenny before we knew who he was. And Club Soda Kenny was uh, Andrew Dice Clay's right-hand man, security, and all that. Right. So mm -hmm. Club Soda Kenny calls Dice and says, this guy on NEW, this Opie and Dopey show or, you know, whatever. They always got the name of the show wrong. He does a great impression of you. So he plays it for Andrew Dice Clay. And he's like, oh, my God. So uh, Dice calls in. And long story short, we became really, really close, like really close. And then when I got fired. Um, I went out to LA and, and I hung out with Dice as he was going through a divorce, living in a tiny, tiny little apartment. We're sitting there going through tapes because he was filming everything back then. And we're eating candy out of these giant candy jars. He was like a kid. And then we went to Gold's Gym and uh, worked out. And then we went to the supermarket to, to pick up some stuff. And then he cooked dinner for me. We were close, man. Mm -hmm. uh, fast forward. Uh, oh, uh, before that. Sorry. Before we got fired. So um, he was making a comeback. It's not the dice we all know and love today. He was huge. Then he was a nobody. And then he has had an incredible comeback. And part of that incredible comeback uh, was uh, me and Anthony's help. And he was trying to sell out Madison Square Garden again. And he had uh, dates at the Beacon Theater like two or three nights in a row. And he sold those out. But our show was so huge. He's like, I think I could still sell out Madison Square Garden, even though I just uh, played the Beacon Theater, whatever it was, a week or two weeks earlier. And we're like, all right, go for it. So what was happening 
the Mets and the Yankees were in the World Series. It was game fucking five. That's the same day that Dice was playing the Garden. Uh, did he sell out the Garden? No. But with our help, and he admitted it at the time, um, he sold well over 10,000 tickets thanks to the, wow. the success of the Opie and Anthony show. We were fucking massive. And then somewhere in there, we knew what we did for him. He started kind of crediting Mancow as well for helping him sell out Madison Square Garden in New York. Man, Mancow doesn't have any heat in New York. Hmm. And that really fucking pissed me off. So we went at it live on, uh, on the radio uh, at WNEW. And the biggest mistake I made, and I, I have to you know agree with Dice on this one, it got really ugly and his kids were in studio. And so, in a way, I think I embarrassed him in front of his kids. And uh, that really fucking pissed him off. And I get that part of it. So, then, uh, fast forward, uh, Dice is on Weez's show. And that's where we pick up the story. Because at that point, there was bad blood between Dice and me and Anthony. Probably more me than Anthony. And uh, Weez famously stuck up for me. And Weez hates doing that type of radio. Hates it. So, uh, uh, Weez has Dice on the phone. And Dice is telling this bullshit story and i'm just screaming in the background you could hear it on the clip you uh sent me i'm put like me on, me put me on. on. i'm screaming <laughs> and then uh weeds goes hey i got opie on the line i go dice what the hell's going on here you know whatever and all of a sudden dice just hung up on me we had some boys uh-huh. and now of course they're bigger than the they're bigger than the king of all media baby uh-huh bigger than the king of all media now here you said you're a supporter pardon me it's good that you're a supporter. Supporter ain't the word, man. I do anything for the Ope. And, uh, you know, Ope called me up and said that he's mad at you. But you know what? Are we here to talk about Ope or are we here to talk about my new show? Both. You know what? Because if I have a problem with somebody, uh-huh. you know, I go head to head with that person, not with some, no middleman. No middleman. You know what I mean? No, look at, look at my boy, Bill. And, and me and you have a good relationship, so. There's no reason for us to get into anything. Uh, I just feel bad. Remember us talking. That's what I'm saying. Okay, listen to me. All I'm saying, we'll end that. We'll talk about the show. Is you know, I feel bad for the fellas because they helped you out a lot. Well, I feel I really helped them out a lot. And, you know, maybe that's something that one day we could uh, talk about. I hope so. Hey, does Opie want to chime in? Fuck yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Is he on? Yeah. All right, hold on. That's what I'm trying to do. Bringing this up, you know what I mean? Well, I'll tell you what, Dice. Pretty cool. Hey, Dice. Dice. Just before we went on the air with you, I was telling my audience, because I'm a bleeding heart liberal and I don't know how to do mean radio. I said, I got to try because Opie and the whole story I just told you, you know about. And I said to the audience, I'm not good at this. I can't mother hucker people, you know, just to do it. So that's the deal, like you just said. But I felt I owed it to Opie. Well, that's cool. You're you're his, you're being his friend, and that's what's important. That's what I was trying you to. You know, do. and when he doesn't when know about I got friends a book coming out, you know, people will read about my problems that I had with them. You oh, have Christ! Well, you know, I, obviously you should get call me that. on. Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe get I me on now! Like like a relative to him than a buddy. I am very you're close. Really heavy on this. You like really feel bad about this. Well, well hold on a second. What's the matter? Oh, you there? Weez. Yeah. Dice, what is your problem? I think you lost. Oh, I think you lost. Of him. course, of, of course, we lost him. 
effing oh. pussy. Did oh. he did he hang up? Did he yeah, 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 yeah. Ran. He hung up. Oh man. I gave it a shot, Oak. The best my liberal ass can do. <laughs> you, you did, <laughs> you you did, did a good job, man. It totally shook him up. And Who, then Yeah, who's the pussy now? He has nothing against us. We did nothing but support that guy. Bye. I just think that he's a liar because he said that if he had a problem, he would go to your face, not a middleman, yeah, and he up. won't go to your face. He's got phones, and you could well, get away with Wait, hold on. He just did it. He had right. a face to right. face, and he hung up. Yeah. There you go. There's the real dice. Hung up on me. Mm. And then uh, fast forward, we get uh, – we get. Uh, oh, no, at that point, we are on satellite radio after sitting out the two and a half years. Um, and he did end up coming up, coming back on the satellite radio show, and – I said sorry, and we talked it out, and uh, to be honest with you, it never was the same. He did the satellite radio show uh, a few times, um, and then uh, and then he was on a rocket ship uh, getting more and more famous, and then we couldn't really get him on the show anymore. And then uh, he's another guy that I could have used to help with the podcast early on, and I reached out to him, and uh, you know, not even a call back, nothing, so... Uh, I hope that wasn't too long-winded, but that's that's pretty pretty much the whole story, Billy. Okay, cool. And actually, I've, I've got a podcast I think you would be a great guest on and Judd would be a great guest on. Yeah. Do you know a comedian named Josh Adam Myers? Uh, no. Do you, Judd? No, I don't. doesn't sound familiar. He, yeah. He's got a podcast called The 500, and he goes through uh, – Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest albums, oh, yeah. the list that oh. was put out in 2012. And every week, it's a different album. He gets oh, right a comedian on. friend on or an athlete or an author, or yeah. someone famous, or sometimes just like a comedian friend that you had never heard of. And they yeah. do a cut-by-cut cut breakdown of that week's album. Nice. And I think you guys would both be fantastic on it. So, and oh, and oh, uh, Matt Pinfield is like the producer or or um, music coordinator for that show. So, I want to talk to him about stupid Britney Spears. Anyone else see that documentary? No, I didn't no. see it. The free no, I Britney haven't Spears seen it. Yet. Bullshit. Mm -mm. I think she's batshit crazy, and that's why I think they're still controlling her money. And there's a movement to try to free Britney Spears, and she's capable of uh, handling her own uh, money and career and i think there's stuff that went down that is sealed and that is why this continues to this day where she's more or less in prison with her her family controlling her career and her money um everyone else thinks that it's bullshit and and you know they got a free britney but i'm like man something doesn't smell right here we don't know the whole story <laughs> britney doesn't need to be free is that what you're saying no, I think I think she needs to be right where she is. I think I, I, you know it's not popular because there's a hashtag and everything. And I watched the documentary and I felt bad for her because something did go wrong with her, man. I don't know something dramatic went wrong with this with the with this girl, this woman, and uh, and uh, they they hang out outside the courthouses, the the Free Britney movement with their posters and whatnot. And I'm like, what is going on in that courtroom? What do they know that they're keeping this in place? Because you got the yeah. courts involved. Not that I, I trust the courts uh, fully. Look, dude, Britney Spears was a child when she became globally famous. Right. So, I mean, I'm, I, I can't imagine what that's like. And if you've even got a little bit of a, a, a disconnect mentally, I'm sure that just drives it home. You, you right. Know? I mean... My God, like, it wasn't her first album cover was almost like I felt like a predator looking at it. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
she was like a child so yeah yeah it's like whoa but yeah that's i mean she was young when she got famous man well i mean yeah she was wearing that schoolgirl outfit walking uh down the hallway i remember that video Mm -hmm. like it was yesterday with the pigtails right it's like i don't think you can do that today yeah but somewhere (laughs) she went a little uh nutso you know she shaved her head she they say that after she had her kids, she had some issues, and uh, there was a famous video of her driving with a newborn on her lap. And uh, I looked at that like, that's no big deal. I come from a time we had no car safety. So to me, I was like, oh, I'm not <laughs> with that. But yeah. you got to realize everything changed, and you just can't have your, your basic newborn on your lap as you're driving down uh, the highway. Unless you have a cigarette in your mouth. Then Unless I you think, have the cigarette in your mouth. Then I right? think you can. I think it's legal then. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot going on there. I don't think she actually had a real father. I think she has real trauma from her childhood. And then uh, and then uh, having those kids, uh, the post, what is it called? The postpartum. And then uh, she never got over Justin Timberlake uh, breaking up with her. <laughs> this was all the tough documentary. Right. It's actually a really good documentary if you want to check it out. I remember I was in, uh, when I was living in Austin, I went to a Willie Nelson concert, Go Crazy. Uh, at the backyard in Austin, yeah, and uh, and he, I, it, he brought up, uh, I guess because they're friends, Britney Spears' dad on stage. Oh my god! Like to say hello or something like that, and I was yeah. like, the, the father of the superstar celebrity, like, yeah. what the fuck is he doing? And then yeah. you, you see him milling around like he's the celebrity. You know, right. people are coming up taking pictures with him and shit. So yeah. I always, I always thought that was kind of weird. Of course. He was never, he didn't give a fuck about that family until she became famous and then he popped back into the picture. So, and then she, supposedly she gives, you know, secret messages to her Instagram. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating, actually. I'm telling you, even if you're not a Britney Spears fan, it's a, it's a very interesting documentary. No, I'm going to, I'm going to check it out. Yeah. I've heard yeah, a lot yeah. about it. Yeah. Hey, so I got both of you on. Um, now you got to give me a little last waltz action, Judd. Uh, Billy gave me some the other day. I think, Billy, you mentioned that, uh, for uh, Muddy Waters, that they had mm-hmm. only one camera. Yeah, I, rem- I remember reading something about it where they che- the schedule or the order or something changed for the shoot, and they were in the process of changing out the cameras or something like that. And then Muddy Waters just comes on and starts playing, and oh. there was only one camera available to film. And Scorsese apparently was yelling at all these uh, other. Uh, uh, people with uh, who had their cameras and they were like Academy Award winning people that he had working on this and he's screaming at them to turn their cameras on and so that apparently is why there was only that one shot till the very end and then somebody turned their camera on and, and then that was it but oddly enough for that song uh, at that concert the one camera angle was perfect it was perfect it was perfect perfect that side angle mm-hmm. and you see the other members of the band on stage mm-hmm. And you just see Muddy Waters there, just like the front of that stage, commanding it, all the confidence in the world, and just killing it, man. Mm-hmm. Such a good performance. But I like uh, that one part when they were talking about when Ronnie Hawkins was uh, trying to get Robbie Robertson to come on with him. Yep. And, and Robertson says, well, joining, you know, joining this band, what does it mean? And he says, uh, he says well... Uh, he said, what, "What does he say?" He goes, "Oh, it's it's not much. It's not much money, but you'll get more pussy than Frank Sinatra." <laughs> <laughs> what a great line! Great line. Yeah. What do you know about the 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 Coke booger, the Neil Young famous Coke booger? 
they I think they spent like millions digitally frame by frame taking it out of the movie. And they didn't so. have that technology down. So you can no. kind of still see it. But the story goes, Neil Young went on stage for his performance with a giant cook uh Coke booger that is very uh was very visible. And after the shoot, uh his people looked at the footage and said, You can't use Neil Young, man. There's no way this is really bad for his image and blah, blah, blah. And then they uh, they had some technology back then, and yeah, frame by frame, they were trying to erase the coke booger out of Neil Young's nose so they could keep that performance in the movie, The Last Waltz. They did a terrible job. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> because it's very prominent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I love that documentary. I mean, yeah. so many things about it. I mean, you know. the, the fact that Dylan didn't decide until 15 minutes before he went on that he would go on. Right. Oh shit! Wow. Yeah, well, he well, showed up and wouldn't go on. Then, like fifteen minutes. Okay, I'll do it. Right. When you talk about like hipsters and and uh, rock stars and people that are just cool, Bob Dylan made everyone look ridiculous in that movie. He walks out on that stage, and you can see that he's the true definition of cool and quote what these hipsters are trying to accomplish. And, and and he was the type of guy, I don't think he had to try to be that. He was just that. And that's the difference, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that version of Forever Young, I mean, this it's iconic. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I think time frame, time frame wise, like, wasn't, I think Dylan was kind of in a dip at that point. Oh, and yeah, then, he was. Yeah. And then that, I, I think, I mean. That performance, I mean, I don't know how popular the movie was at that time. Right. But to, to me, it seems like that's the turning point to well, where he kind of ascended again. Well, doesn't he contribute the band bringing his career back? Because the band was his backup uh, right, right, band, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. They were the band uh, when he got booed at the um, Folk Festival. Uh, Newport? Yeah. And also Royal Albert Hall. And then, no, he went electric got booed, then became huge again. Right. And in the 70s, he wound up touring with, they reunited, did a tour together. That's yeah. the Before the Flood album. That's fantastic. You know what's funny? You, you, uh, we say it casually now, but he had the balls back in the day to say this folk thing needs electric, and he plugged in, and people, just their minds were blown. Like, what are you, why would you do this? Now it completely mm -hmm. makes sense as we look back at that, but... Mm -hmm. He was he he had the balls to at least give it a shot and and move uh, music forward. I mean, if we're talking to the last waltz, my favorite, my favorite is Van Morrison's High Kicks. Oh God, yeah, like pants. I mean, Forget you got it. You, I, he was trying to own those high kicks, and he looked completely ridiculous, right? Yeah. Well, says you. I think it's called commitment. <laughs> well, then the fact that he just walked off the stage at the end of the yeah. song, and Robbie Roberts is looking around him, Van the Man. Van the Man. He just well, walks he walked off. off stage like that because yeah. his balls hurt. He realized his Probably. balls can't move like that. <laughs> and he had to get those pants off and let everything breathe. There, there's so many like little things that I think about in that movie. When, when Morrison walked off stage after all the high kicks, yeah, you know, he walks off stage and he's just kind of casually kind of walking off to the music. And, right. and and at the like at the last minute as he's getting ready to walk off the off the yeah, in front of the camera, he's just kind of walking and the music hits again and he goes, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just kind of as he walks off. I mean, it's just the greatest thing. So I, good. Uh, there's times I'll just uh for the hell of it, there's nothing going on in my house, and I'll just find the, 
those high kicks on YouTube, and I just play the high <laughs> kick part over and over again. And me and my wife just laugh our asses off. Yeah. It's it's an amazing piece of um, of film. So, and then of course, me and Billy talked about Levon Helms, and um, once again, every time we mention this documentary, I'm going to say it again: greatest vocal performance I've ever seen on film or in person. Oh, the, actually, the night oh, they drove old Dixie down. It's you unbelievable. Just, you just remember you just reminded me. Uh in that scene, you know the, the big stage setting that it looks like gone with the wind. Sure. Right. Yeah, that's actually because they borrowed the stage setting for a local production of Gone with the Wind from oh. a theater down the street. Oh no kidding. Oh, like the yeah. chandeliers and all yeah, that. Yeah, and all the curtains and stuff. Oh wow. it came from a Gone with the Wind production. Oh, that's from, so interesting. Man, that's so cool. That 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 whole setup, uh, especially the night they drove old Dixie down. I mean, the way that was shot and all the musicians and and all the horns behind him and everything. I mean, first of all, I've always been amazed at a drummer who can who's a singer. Yeah. Like to me, that just blows my mind. Yeah. But the effort that he had into that. I mean, it's just like it's second to none. It's almost chilling to see that. I mean, he hit every every note and just sang every note just to the 10th degree. I mean, right. it was just, just amazing. That because, song, yeah, that's my favorite. That's my favorite one. I think that was the song, oddly enough, you know, about the South that uh, Robbie Robertson wrote as a lullaby for his daughter. Okay. That's where the song came from. That, that's, he wrote it as a lullaby, which is about the South and Confederacy and all that, yeah. which I thought was kind of weird, but you know. Oh, it's another, it's another song we got to cancel, obviously. We got to cancel that song out now. Oh yeah, sure. Well, hell no. I hope that they might cancel the whole movie because there's a one scene where they're sitting and behind them is a Confederate flag on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're gonna have to digitally take that out. Yeah. Yeah. For, for the next generation. Leave the leave the coat booger. Take yeah. out the Confederate flag. Yeah. I want to finish up with this. Did you hear the uh, Phil Collins George Harrison story? Speaking mm -hmm. of drummers, when you were talking about drummers singing and stuff, it, I, I went right to Phil Collins mm -hmm. and it remind me of uh, this George Harrison story. Mm -mm. So uh, George Harrison was doing his first solo album after the Beatles, and he was getting a whole bunch of session players. And uh, Phil Collins was a young drummer. And somehow he got to uh, play on, uh, I don't know all the songs off that album. Shit. It doesn't matter, I guess. It wasn't one of the big ones, I don't think. And uh, Phil Collins played his ass off and played the bongos. Or the really? congas or whatever, one of those. But one of those percussions that George Harrison needed on this particular song. So hmm. it's Phil Collins before we know who he is. He's 18 years old. And oh, wow. uh, long story short, they didn't use his take. They decided they didn't need the bongo. Uh, let's mm -hmm. say bongos. Mm -hmm. They didn't need the bongos on that particular song. And they did it a different way. And the album came out. And Phil Collins was kind of bummed. He's just a kid going, God, that was my chance to be on a, uh, an ex-Beatles record, right? Fast forward, Phil Collins becomes fu fucking famous. And he asked George Harrison whatever happened to that track, you know, because he, he wanted to know the story now that he could actually talk to George Harrison because he's famous as well. George Harrison sends him his take, and it's bongo playing really, really bad. And George Harrison goes, well, this is why we didn't use it. And Phil's like, oh, geez, obviously, Ooh. you know, I wasn't ready for the big time, you know. And uh, George oh. Harrison led Phil Collins on thinking that, uh, you know, it was so bad and that's why they didn't use him on that particular song. Oh. Fast forward, he lets him sit there in that uncomfortable feeling for a while and then calls him back and says, you know, it was an elaborate prank, a long story short. 
he had one of his guys go in studio and make believe he was uh, Phil Collins <laughs> and sent it to Phil, basically saying, "This is why I didn't use you that day when you were." You suck. <laughs> I, oh I think God. that went down right before George uh, Harrison died. I, I believe that all came out that story, but uh, oh my God, it made me Man. laugh. I think it's in uh, Phil Collins's uh, book. That was really a really good uh, autobiography that came out a few years back. Wow. So. All right, listen, I got to go. I got to get these kids to school, man. Okay. Opie, watch Let's Play 2, Pearl Jam. Oh, I've, I've seen that. It's amazing. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Yeah, that that no, was I've one I that. wanted to make sure you saw. A hundred percent. That's a that's another great documentary. Great baseball documentary, great music. Yeah, yeah right on. Yeah. Judd, you got anything? Uh, Documentary-wise? Or anything. We're wrapping up. We're wrapping up, and, and you uh, didn't show the Golden Girls uh, mug. What's wrong with you? I told you, it, I usually have some left over, at, uh, some Jack left over at night, and it's in the refrigerator for today. So, all right, all that's right. The, that's the thing, so, yeah. So the the streamers aren't going to get to see the the glass today, unfortunately. That's okay. Tease it for the next time you're on. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Come back next time to see the Golden Girls glass. Right. Right. All right, guys. Thank you so much to Judd Jones and Billy DeTore, who produced Brother Weezy's show forever. Weezy's sounding great again, Billy. What the? Good. Yeah. Oh, you had a cat walk by you in the oh, back. Oh, did I? Now I'm triggered. Oh. oh. <laughs> I hate cats, and Billy loves cats. Oh, we got six of them. I know. Uh, six I'm cats. I'm going to attack yep. you in the middle of the night like you're a stranger. Just, and be honest. <sighs> That one likes to walk. That, that's why I get up so early. There's times where I'm up at four in the morning feeding cats. Then right. I have to go back to bed. That's why sometimes right. I don't. Yeah, well, you got it. six cats. It's a yeah. fucking farm over there, man. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I had I had two. One was awesome, and then I actually loved this uh, particular cat, a calico. I think they're called. They look mm -hmm. like baby owls when they're kittens. And then mm -hmm. uh, the other one was a complete nightmare, and they got declawed and everything. So they can't they can't survive outside. So they need me. I'm feeding this damn cat for years, and then out of nowhere, it attacks me like it doesn't know who I am. I'm like, who do you think's feeding you every day? At least have some awareness. Yeah, they're evil. I've got a for the next time, Opie. I've got a cat story for you next time. All right, Leah, let's tease the cat story and the and the Golden Girls uh, <laughs> glass for next time, please. Right. Can't give them everything there, Judd. There you go. Right. All right. right. And Billy, we're going to talk about cats more next time you're on. Awesome. <laughs> I want you to defend uh, being a cat owner. Okay, I, I can do that. that. I can and do don't that. Die, don't die in your house alone because they'll eat you. You know that. Yeah, and that's fine. What I'm, I, I got, I got nothing to do with. Them. Once I'm dead, fine. Throw me in the woods. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you would think they would have some loyalty and try to find some other food. These old ladies with the cats—they're dead for an hour. The cats mm. are already nibbling. They, they didn't even try to find other food. Cats don't have thumbs. They can't open the food. Uh, all right, we'll we'll leave you with that. They don't have to